Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this morning's gospel lesson, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus continues his post-Palm Sunday contests and debates with the Pharisees. The argument this morning is a legal one. It is a debate between skilled, trained lawyers and Jesus himself. The question is raised, which is the greatest commandment in Jewish law? Now, that might seem like not so big a question, but it is no small one. For it is the duty of the religious leader to teach the law. For to be a faithful Jew is to follow the law. Now all total there are 613 laws in the Torah. 613 laws of Moses. 613 laws that must be followed, kept to be a faithful, righteous, Jewish person. Now there are 248 positive laws. You shall, 365 negative laws, you shall not. The existence of these 613 laws, precepts in the Torah, presented in and of itself a very substantial problem for the person who understands them to be God's will revealed, the will for the nation of Israel, salvation, righteousness. How in the world you keep track of all those laws. And when they seem to conflict with one another, how do you know what law is more important than another law? There are weighty laws such as thou shalt do no murder. But what does that mean? And then there are lighter laws like mixing threads together in cloth, mixing pottery together cooking. And things like this from Deuteronomy. If you chance to come upon a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground with young ones and eggs and the mother sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go with the young you may take to yourself, that it may go well with you and that you may live long. There are weightier laws, lighter laws. But who gets to say what murder is? Who gets to say which is which? Who gets to say killing another human is weightier than taking a mother bird? It was extraordinarily important to be duly trained and versed in Jewish law before one began to teach it to other people. It was also very common for these lawyers and rabbis to sum up the 613 laws in ways that made it easier for those who didn't have the time to spend their lives studying the law to follow and obey them. They would sum up for life application, as it were. Hillel, a great and famous teacher who taught just before the time of Jesus and is in history books, he summed up the law of Moses like this. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary on it. Go learn it. So, brothers and sisters, the confrontation with Jesus is a test, is a trial 
to see how Jesus would match up to great teachers like the rabbi Hillel. Now, really and truly, they're trying to catch and belittle Jesus. So this question to sum up the law was meant to show Jesus as a fraud, huckster, as someone who did not have a good grasp of the law, someone who was unorthodox. They were trying to snare Jesus and asking him to sum up the law. It is not an easy thing to do. But Jesus' answer to the lawyer is perfect, completely traditional and orthodox. Jesus combines two positive commands. You shall love the Lord your God from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 for those keeping score and love your neighbor as yourself. This from Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. Now, when Jesus combines these two commandments, Jesus also does something original, groundbreaking. Jesus advances the moral code. Jesus puts things together in a way that had not been done before. Now, in popular Judaism, the idea, the philosophy, was that everything, the world, if you will, hung on truth, justice, and peace. Or it hung on the Torah, the temple, and deeds of kindness. In the Judaism of the day, righteousness hung on following the 613 laws, on sacrifices made at the temple, and on acts of kindness. Jesus, however, restructures all of that and restructures that which is most important. Our Lord Jesus Christ declares that the world hangs on love. The world hangs on love. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of self. Every single thing we do as Christians should be done, therefore, out of love for God, out of love for neighbor, and out of love for ourselves. But what does that look like? It's a very, very big question. Now, one thing that always comes to my mind when I read this is my own journey to sacrificial giving. Giving a very important thing. Now, growing up, I've gone through different ideas and stages in what it means to give. My earliest memory comes from North Georgia, and it is that of the mite box. Uh, we call them alms boxes now. But if you're not familiar with them, a mite box is a little cardboard box that works like a piggy bank. We have them for the United Thank Offering and for Anglican Relief and Development. And the idea of the mite box is for children, families, to collect change. So when you come home, you put the change from your pocket in this box. Or, if you're really good, paper money. You put those in the box for the poor. And then you turn the box into the parish as a group. Most of the time it's done during Lent and Advent. And the boxes are taken up on Easter or Christmas. And I have another mom story. I always have a mom story. But I remember being a little boy and being told by my mother when I had, I think it was a quarter, but I could not buy a piece of bubble yum at the local super stop with that quarter I had earned. Instead, I had to put that quarter in the mite box for the poor. I still remember that event from when I was so young. And I, went and I think back on that event, it's kind of shameful because the nickel I put, I mean the quarter I put in the alms box, I did not put out of love. 
I put that quarter in that box because my mother made me. <laughs> and really, I was mad because I wanted bubble yum and I could not have it. So the world was not right. I also remember Father Don Kramer, St. Mark's, Dalton, Georgia, teaching the little children of the parish, myself included, that it was our duty, the duty of every Christian to give alms to the poor. God required us to give alms. It was and is an obligation. And so all throughout my childhood and through high school, my mother made me give the first dime of every dollar to the mite box or to the plate that went around at church. I gave to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and to keep the parish church running. And the next real remembrance I have of giving came when I was working my way through university. It was a rare thing after all the dues and bills were paid, but sometimes, by the grace of God, luck, I had a little money left over. And man, when I had some money left over, it was a good day. And I remember going to the 8 o'clock mass one Sunday morning with a wad of spending money in my pocket and I got a gnawing feeling. I had my whole day planned out afterwards. I wanted to keep the money and to go have fun. But yet, sitting there, the Episcopal Church of Resurrection, Starkville, Mississippi, something compelled me to take the money out of my pocket and give it to the church that day. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. That feeling was not what I would know as love. Rather, the truth is, I had the image of Father Don Kramer in obligation, and I had the image of my mother in my head. I had the ingrained notion that this was the duty of every Christian, and... I had the image of the poor in my head. So, again and again, I gave money in my pocket to the church out of duty and obligation. And because my mother's image was stuck in my head. I remember the first time I ever gave money, practiced stewardship, gave sacrificially out of what I would now call love. And that was after... Catherine and I were married. Catherine and I had a financial discussion, conference, and we both together made the decision that we would give the first 10% of what we earned to God through the church, not because my mother's image was burned in my head or because I still remember Father Kramer saying obligation, but out of love. And thanksgiving for God's blessing on our lives. So for the first time in a concrete and tangible manner, our household was ordered by putting our love of God first, recognizing our blessings first. We do not give now out of a sense of duty or obligation, but as a real and tangible showing of our love for God. Money is the most tangible way to show God we love Him. We give now 
as an offering of thanks and us getting to the point where we give out of love has made an enormous difference in our lives it deepened our relationship with one another and with God it gave our house a peace it gave us freedom from the worry over material things as Pete the cat says buttons come and buttons go but it gave us peace in our own well-being in giving to God we began to receive much more in return now while I could continue to poke fun at this idea of duty and obligation and tell you more about Father Don Kramer and about obligation being a lesser idea of why we should give I've learned from that instead I propose that even though I did not know it at the time that duty and obligation are very much a part of the idea of love on which according to Jesus the entirety of the world hangs what then is love can we in our own time answer that question with any degree of certainty when I look at the TV when I read popular magazines popular novels when we look around us self-help books one might think love has everything to do with emotional feelings everything to do with desire lust the pursuit of physical happiness and in many encounters I think it's very to say that people very right to say that people do feel that way I can't tell you how many times I've heard this I've fallen out of love I don't love them anymore common statements and they point to the idea that once an emotional feeling is gone that when a person no longer excites another person or that person has grown bored with who they are love's gone love is we must understand it as our Lord Jesus Christ understands it hangs from the cross greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends love therefore is the willingness love is the commitment to sacrifice oneself for another love is to put the good of others before our own the perfect example of that was given by Jesus Christ by Christ who gave his life so that death would not be our final end so then the entirety of the whole world hangs on sacrifice of oneself for others hangs on putting the needs of others before our own that's something to think about how and what do we sacrifice to God in real and tangible ways and do we put the desires of God before our own for in the end our life brothers and sisters the entirety of our life comes down to that question and that question emanates into every facet of our lives not only do we put God before ourselves but do we put our families and friends and community before our own needs the entirety of the world hangs on love love should be at the center of every action we take love is at the center of all of God's actions love 
is sacrifice. Let us, you and I, this day, commit ourselves to living lives of sacrifice. Let us commit ourselves to living lives that hang on love. And in that commitment, I promise you, our lives will be forever changed and our eyes will be opened to all the blessings that flow from God and from His creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.